Ladies and gentlemen, you know where you are. You know why you're here. It's Aquarian Anarchy. It is Sunday, 6 o'clock Eastern. This is the only place to be. Tonight's quote is from Ludwig von Mises. It is vain to fight totalitarianism by adopting totalitarian methods. Freedom can only be won by men unconditionally committed to the principles of freedom. And with that, we will tell you that right now we are still waiting on our special guest. I've sent him a couple of messages. Michael, you're watching. Come on, we're ready for you. Um, but while we wait, we are going to break down um, a little bit about what Ludwig von Mises and his work and his contributions to the Liberty Movement uh, mean to, especially me and Marcus, because uh, we've we've looked, we've studied his stuff, and and we are we're very familiar. Nico, this is it's my learning day. It's my hold on, wait, I got you. Not for Nico to. I'm ready, Captain. Get the, that's right. Get the <laughs> right, right on it. It's uh, what was that thing? Uh, Corey Frazier used to say, get get his smart book out or whatever. Right, right. right. G Frazier. Oh, yeah. uh, shout out to G Frazier. Yeah, where you hate this? I miss you. Man. I know we got to get it. We got to get him back on. I want to get him back on. Uh, just him, to, so we can talk to him about his uh, his whole story because he's got an amazing sure. story. But uh, let's well, get let's get into it. Happen, you see man. Marcus. You see Marcus down there at the bottom of the screen. See Nico wearing his uh his his I don't know rap oh, icon t shirt there. Shy city, but we I'm not even gonna trip. Like <laughs> I, I don't even want to go into the story about the shirt. Yeah, the no, that's not that. The point being is is that, that it's a nice shirt. Yeah, it is. and it reps Chicago. It's solid. It's solid. Yeah, I dig it. <laughs> I dig it. So uh so Marcus, um mm -hmm. let, let's let's I'll let you kind of uh dig into this first because I think you sure. probably are the most <laughs> In terms of this stuff, the most read um, of it, I I've read some of it. I'd be perfectly honest; like a lot of my reading is done by other people, mm. um, and I listen to them sure. read to me because I drive so much that that's the only way I can consume the amount of literary content that I do. Um, and Human Action by Ludwig von Mises, as wonderful a work as it is, is very hard to stay <laughs> awake when you are driving if you're listening to it because it's super academic. Um, the language is very uh, rudimentary. No, no, the language is super it's complicated. The language is so elegant oh, that yeah, it's elegant. like it's like it, it. It's hard to keep up. Like you, you. It's one of those books that you need a dictionary right next, to so it. that every third page sure. or something you can look up that word. <laughs> You're like, what, what the fuck does obfuscary or I don't know some shit that like I've never heard before. Anyway, what happened to our language? Why are we dumb? Like this, so I want to go back to the time where we used <laughs> the syllabic words. No, listen, listen. I, so, so let me let me take this moment to to plug the Men of Order blog. I know I told you I was going to let you talk, Marcus, but shut up. Um, no, uh, <laughs> I'm just uh, getting right in now. <laughs> oh shit! So. So doing this work, you know, being like the like the executive editor, for lack of a better way of putting it, where I go through and proofread all the all the blogs as they as they come through. One of the things that, for SEO purposes and for readability purposes, they want you to talk to like this third to fifth grade reading level. For sure. And I my background in television, it was the same way. It was like talk to stupid people. Yeah. Use language for stupid people because we're trying to reach as many people as we can, and a lot of them are stupid. I agree. However, I kind of feel like this is the same as that like uh, thought conversation. You know, if you if you market yourself to thoughts, you're just going to create more thoughts. 
if you market yourself to dumb people, you're just going to make it to where being dumb is part of the, the equation. Yeah. And, and, and if you elevate your content, I feel like you start to, so that's why like one of our great writers in terms of like consistency and like how methodical he goes about his process is Kamar Daniel. He writes all of our tech stuff, writes all about like hacking mm -hmm. and, and all this, you know, how to protect yourself from hackers, um, security, uh, you know, your password security and your like personal information security, all this stuff. I told him, I was like, don't even pay attention to the readability stuff. I don't care. You are not talking to third graders. You are talking to people who hopefully, if they can understand this stuff, can be like the next tech entrepreneurs or right. can actually elevate themselves. So like it, it's anyway. Yeah. To Nico's point, like how did we get so dumb? I think that's a big part of it is that media yeah. has targeted stupid people dumbing everything down. Well, no, they, but yeah. they've, and by, by, by extension, they have dumbed everything down. So right. that now you don't have to know some of these words to even function in society. And I think it's a little deeper than that too. And, and, and we'll get to Mises in a moment, but, mm -hmm. um, but I, I think it goes a little deeper than that. You know, um, it, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about animal farm and animal, animal farm isn't, you know, is, is aimed at a, a, uh, Lexile, if you will, that's a little bit lower as well, but content matters. And not only do, um, a lot of what is currently out about just about everything, um, not only is it, is it easier to read to the point where, it, you know, a fifth grader could read it. It's also the content is isn't it isn't the same you know the animal farm goes over a lot of really deep concepts and those concepts aren't for fifth graders and so not only have they done things down um in that way but they've done the content down as well um and mises certainly did not do that um and and, and chad you're muted just so you know Oh yeah, and, not at all. That's yeah, great. right. Yeah, yeah it, it, but but also, I have to be honest. You know, I found Mises pretty boring, and he's got fantastic one-liners. Um, so, you know, using him a, as a meme source is huge because he has lots and lots of really good advice. But for those of you that don't know kind of where Mises comes from, he comes from a, a school of economics called Austrian economics. And there's a, a lot of people out there that don't like Austrian economics because it's, it, 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 it does things like says, you know, save money. It does things like says, says, um, if you spend money, you no longer have money. <laughs> you know, if, 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 if you want to save money, you will still have money. If you want to invest in a company, then that company may, you know, make you money. So it's it's a it's a very basic kind of understanding. And lots of people have made economics a very difficult system to understand. They want charts and graphs and all this craziness to explain it. And Mises kind of breaks, breaks that apart. For me personally, it is not Mises that really makes Austrian economics kind of make sense to me. It's actually Murray Rothbard. 
And um, Rothbard goes over the Fed. He goes over a lot of um, economic systems in several of his works. And um, and he's also a hell of a lot more fun to read because mm-hmm. because Mises is, is has more of a tone of a professor, and yes. and Rothbard has more of uh, the tone of a rebel. And I like the rebel, but uh, Mises also wasn't alone. There's a lot of other people, um, probably second to Mises um, in popularity is probably uh, uh, is Hayek and Road to Serfdom should anybody that that wants to read about freedom that should be on their list as well. Um, Isn't and and there's a bit of difference between Mises and Hayek. Mises is kind of like old school, always been for free markets, and Mm -hmm. Hayek wasn't. Hayek was a a, um, was a socialist who um, kind of came along. It looks like Michael's coming in. Awesome. So. so basically, at the end of the day, um, Mises and Hayek offer, um, and for that matter, Rothbard offers us um, an awful lot of of meat to get into. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna move Michael up to the top. Oh, uh, okay. Ah, oh, sweet white power. Let's go. Get down at the bottom, Nico. Been <laughs> <laughs> waiting to say that, everybody. Chad has been up there. I know, right, right, right. I've been holding back. Yeah. No. So, all right. So, so thank you so much, Michael, for joining us. Um, sorry for that introduction. That was a that was a shitty introduction, but um, but here we are. I'm Chad. You see, uh, you see Marcus and Nico uh, down below. Uh, I don't know how how familiar. I know you've met Marcus before uh, at the uh, at the convention in in 2018. Um, Nico joins us. He comes to us from uh, from Chicago, Illinois. So uh, I've been trying to get him, trying to get him on the on the on the Mises and the LP train for a while. He's uh, it's funny because like we started off like trying to introduce him to anarchism, and he's like, I don't, I'm not getting into politics at all. So I don't know what uh, I don't know what y'all want me to do. <laughs> And I'm like, you get it, yeah, you're yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. But uh, but you've been you've been grinding, you've been working hard, and we we were just kind of getting into uh, a little bit of like who Mises is, and and kind of introducing people to like how how this sort of the, the Mises Caucus became a thing, right? So I'll, I'll I'll give you an opportunity to to maybe expand on that. So there's there's kind of two answers to that because. It was very close to being the Ron Paul caucus. Um, oh yeah. So like in in spirit, it, I would say it's the Ron Paul caucus because mm. it, it's very much so aimed at at, at trying to bring the uh, the liberty movement and the Ron Paul mm. revolution and like all that periphery around that sprouted up around that into the Libertarian Party. Mm. Um, I ultimately settled on Mises caucus because you know Mises is the godfather of the tradition. You know, and, and Ron Paul was ultimately uh, leaves on on the route that was started by well Bombo Arc, but uh, Mises was really the one that revolutionized it. And uh, <clears throat> so we wanted to kind of cast that wide net, and we wanted to appeal to kind of that whole whole circle of everything that makes up the Ron Paul movement, not just Mises, not just Rothbard, not just anarchists, not just you know minarchists or whatever. We wanted to kind of capture more than minarchy or anarchy. We wanted to capture, again, the, the word I'm going to keep using is the spirit, the spirit of the Ron Paul revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, and anybody that, I don't, I don't know, I, I know you guys, I know you, Marcus, and you, Chad, that Nico, I don't know if you were um, around in 2012 when that was going on, but um, anybody that experienced... Nico was like 10 or something. I was wet behind the ears. I was a little kid. Yeah, yeah was, Nico's, Nico's 23, so he's... Yeah, uh, he's. Um, 
I'm a yeah. young lad out here that didn't pay attention to shit about politics. But now, <laughs> now we're, but anybody, yeah. anybody that experienced the Ron Paul revolution, I think knows what I'm talking about when I say it was like a really special time. And there was just this electric energy in the community. And we were like brought together as a community largely for the first time. And there was like this crazy eclectic mix of like anti-war leftists and and libertarians and, and Tea Party, libertarian leaning Republicans and you know, I had like survivalists that I was working with in Philly. I had, you know, conspiracy theory people, people who were super into uh, uh, Nikola Tesla, people who were super into food sovereignty. You know, like it was it was all just all this stuff that got brought together by Ron Paul. And, you know, unlike nowadays where we're fighting over each other's hyphenated anarchisms and all this shit, you know, everybody was just cool. Oh, you, you're down with Ron Paul. So am I. We're both working towards the same thing. We already know the utility of it. Let's go. And, right. and right. it was, it was just beautiful. I don't know how else to say it. it was, it was, it was electric. And so that's why I'm kind of saying the spirit of the thing is more the Ron Paul revolution. Cause that's what I want back. I want that. I want that energy. I want that community. I want that feeling. And mm -hmm. I'm happy to say that, that uh, I don't think we've gotten to quite the heights of the Ron Paul revolution, but mm -hmm. what we do have, I, I think is characterized by that spirit. That's in the beautiful. Sure. That's beautiful. It, it, and I'm with you. Um, you know, I've experienced an awful lot in my political lifetime, but nothing is the same as that. You know, I, I've got a, we made a, a sign out in our yard in 2012 that, you know, for Ron Paul is, you know, we're, we lived on a highway and I've got a picture of a guy who is an avowed socialist sitting amongst me who, who I, at the time I was a, <clears throat> libertarian leaning conservative mm -hmm. and um, me and other libertarians and just this big string of people that do not look, it looks like they should not be put together, but there they are at a mm -hmm. sine wave in the middle of Indiana, you know, it, it, and, and I, I feel what you're talking about and have seen some of that myself, though I'm not personally actively involved in Mises or for that matter, the LP. But what I see from since when, and um, because the Indiana sucks, dude, and I'm just going to be blunt. And uh, but um, and I've lost an awful lot of faith, and it is people like you that can pull me back. And and I think that it will take people like you to pull people like me back into the realm of I, I don't want to just sit home and watch this thing burn. <laughs> We can get into that. We can get into that first, but we're on the Ron Paul train. So I want to, I want to, sure. I, I want to share, share like a story for like what was going on yeah, with me at the time that kind of characterizes it is Occupy Wall Street was happening around that time. Mm -hmm. And so like there was a big Occupy Philly group right in front of uh, uh, City Hall. And like I said, I was part of a, I was part of this eclectic mix of activists called Truth, Freedom, Prosperity that was headed up by Mike Salvi, N.A. Poe. Uh, uh, Jim Babb, uh, uh, Mark Passio, like they, these guys were all like the heads that, that brought me into this underground world. And because we had this dude, Fernando, who was like a hardcore survivalist, everybody who was camping out, they had tents. We had like a built to code structure with like ethanol, like heating lamps and, and, and like, it was extremely comfortable and warm compared to everybody. So like we had a table on the inside and we would, we would brew tea and we would ask people to come in and we would talk to them about the fed. We were talking to them about income taxes, about gold, about all of this stuff. And like, I was working at the time. So I would literally be working during the week and then on my days off, go and sleep on the streets, you know, in Philly 
to to talk to these people and hit because we had a really high foot traffic area. And like I didn't even I was so green back at that point that I didn't really you know, I wasn't as hip to like this is a left wing movement. You know what I mean? Like I thought it was just a bunch of people against the banks and all that stuff. I learned as I went, you know, at at one point (laughs) we were running shifts at our at our tent and at that structure. And and people were, you know, taking shifts, sleeping over and all that stuff. Well, one guy got caught by himself and slept in a tent next to it. And the commies came in, stole all of our shit and then shat in the structure. That's when I was like, Holy all right, shit. well, fuck these people. What is that thing about the toothbrush? It's like, that's that's what we're talking about. Like, damn, bro. Like, uh, it ain't just about a toothbrush. Um, <laughs> what are you talking about, man? Marks, Marks wouldn't have agreed with any of that. Nico's buddy, tell us all about it. I had never I had never done anything like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like sleeping out in the streets or marching down the streets bullhorning about the fed you know what i mean like mm-hmm. I, I never done anything like that and there's so many people that it that it drove to uh to those kinds of things i did mm-hmm. learn over time though i kind of felt that at the time while i was in it i thought that everyone felt like me um mm-hmm. about what was happening and uh i i think it was more political and more ideological than it was personal for a lot of people because it was all mm-hmm. of those things for me it was very very mm-hmm. personal um, for me, what was happening at that time too, because I was still really young and, and, uh, you know, I was going through a lot of hard times at that point. I didn't really know who I wanted to be and all that. And I was really at that time stuck, uh, in a, in a really bad depression. And, mm. you know, Ron, uh, <laughs> I've kind of, I've said this on Dave Smith's show, you know, a combination of like Ron Paul shrooms and heavy metal, like helped me break out of that. You know what I mean? Like metal, <laughs> metal gave me the release that I needed. It was always there for me. But uh, and shrooms kind of sure. like opened my eyes. But Ron gave me like the example of a person that I would like to be mm-hmm. like, and I don't have to be this like shriveled, depressed thing that I, you know what I mean? Like, and I can, right. I can strive Hopeful. to be great and brave and all this shit. <laughs> and and so it was very deeply personal for me. On top of like ideological. So on that on that topic of of it being personal for you, I, like I want to I want to as quickly as we can jump right into like the conversation you and I had uh, last week about yeah, man. how, cause it, cause like a big thread of what we do here, like uh, there's a, there's some politics and there's some like, you know um, what's going on in the world and like how to navigate through it sort of stuff. But a lot of where that rests is in um, character building uh, self-growth, uh, spirituality, and like connection to something bigger than ourselves and to a, a, a direction, a North star that is, um, sort of immutable and also is, uh, is, is something that we can, can remember regardless of what happens, whether we are, whether we fail or whether we succeed in what we're trying to do, that we don't change who we are, that we, um, or try, or we don't tr- we don't change our our goals in terms of like how what the type of person we want to be. Um, you talked a lot about um, your personal like growth in that area and like how you kind of came to this. Um, I don't want to say new, but like a, a maybe a renewed um, sense of, of of that for yourself. So like get if, to to the extent that I, you I want to open up about that. Yeah, there you go. There yeah, you go. I, I would yeah. say I, I would say I came to an understanding, and and to me it wasn't too similar, too dissimilar from the experience that I had 
waking up to the nap and waking up to Austrian economics where it's just kind of like, boop, you know, like, mm -hmm. and, and now you can see all this shit that you couldn't see before. And by mm -hmm. seeing it, knowing it, you're responsible for how you act. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and, and there's all these realizations that come along with that. And, and um, it's, it's been like that for me. And really for me, where this is why, you know, I nerd out on him and I don't, I'm not trying to claim that the dude's an anarchist or anything like that, but um, right. I'm a huge Jordan Peterson fanboy mm -hmm. um, for different reasons than I'm a, a Ron Paul fanboy. But, um, but Jordan is, is the one that's really kind of helped me walk down this path and learn, learn a lot about myself. And, and one of the first things that I, I realized kind of encountering his work is something that I always felt, but didn't understand until I came to Jordan's work, which is that, you know, you ask any of my personal friends, I've been highly involved, like before I ever had the caucus, before I ever had a platform, you know, or any of this kind of stuff, I, I was grinding on the streets. I was, you know, organizing events, um, podcasting, doing man on the street interviews, um, strategizing. Like I've been in the game in, in one way, shape or form ever since like 2011. And, and I pretty much never stopped until there was a couple of years where I went through another bout of depression, but, um, but, um, you know, I, I've pretty much always been in it. And then even when I was in the depression, I was yakking people's ears off and typing, you know, doing Facebook and all that shit. But anyway, the, the thing that I came to understand is that the reason I was doing all of this is that I derived intense meaning from it. I never would have put it that way um, um, from like before encountering Peterson's work. But that that helped me to understand that that is what I'm doing. Like I'm, I'm mm. pursuing meaning. And yeah. and uh, I would I would go as far as to say that. Uh, if anyone's ever never watched them, Jordan Peterson's Bible lectures are absolutely incredible. Now, I, I know like when you hear Bible lectures, you know, you might think of like Joel Olstein, like Bible thumping and, you know, it is kind of shit. But but it's not like that at all. And, and, and if you're not familiar with like Carl Jung and the psychoanalysts, then you've never heard anything like this content before in your life. Nice. And and um, so what the Bible. Yeah, man, I would highly recommend it because like what those lectures are all about is basically it's i'll see if i can do it justice it's a lot it's a huge time investment if you go to watch them but you'll get sucked in but yeah, he didn't even get are... into the bible for like two hours almost the first one it's like, <laughs> it's like he, he he gives a backdrop for like an hour and a half or so and he's like i haven't even read a word of the bible yet and we're already like done with the first session or whatever you know it's like, it's like but he it's, sets it's, up it's the deep. framework that he sets up the framework that he's approaching it from and, and, and the framework mm -hmm. that he was approaching it from is looking at the idea like People think about the Bible and they, and they think of God and they think of like this ephemeral thing in the sky that's outside of ourselves and, you know, mm -hmm. all of that, where the, the, the approach that he looks at it is, is how did we emerge from the jungles? And, and with that came the idea of God or the idea of the individual or the idea of liberty. And, you know, like how did how did these ideas emerge with us when? It's not exactly intuitive when you think like it's not yeah, exactly sure. obvious how that happened when you go back. Like if you trace our evolution back to like emerging from the jungles and, you know, dealing with saber toothed tigers and shit. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. so um, it seems that there was a, a huge, a huge part of human history where we observed each other. And, and over the course of that time started deriving certain patterns or principles um, that work within human behavior and started writing that down. And, and the ones that work most became divine ideas that we then ensconced within these these stories. Now, I don't mean to call them stories in a, in a disrespectful way, but, um, you know, one of the crazy things I learned is that 
there's a sense in which the principles in the Bible and, and, and all that are real, even if it's completely metaphysically not real and completely historically not real. And that, yeah. that was like the, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Like <laughs> sure. ways from watching the, uh, yeah, like from watching the, the these Bible uh, lectures. But anyway, the, the so he, he's looking at these idea through, ideas through the lens of evolutionary psychology um, and, and how did we arrive at these ideas? How do we derive our meaning from them? And, and uh, he's doing it from a particular Carl Jungian bent. So like, mm -hmm. that's what those lectures are about. Again, if you've never, if you don't know anything about the psychoanalyst, you've never heard anything like this in your life. And that's, that's where uh, I was when I watched it. Yeah. I'm, I'm familiar with Jung and, um, and, you know, generally agree with him. One of the things that I picked up years ago and, and, and Michael, you may not know this, but I have a weird religion. I'm, a freak, <laughs> but, um, and I accept God as God, but, um, but it's Marcus is voodoo Santa Claus. He just I doesn't want to admit Santa it. Claus. Uh, anyway, go ahead. But, but one of the things I learned a very long time ago is that truths and facts are two different words. And just because yep. something is a fact doesn't necessarily mean that it is a truth and vice versa. And what I find in the Bible itself is that there are a bunch of truths in there. And whether or not this, that, or the other thing happened or not doesn't really matter because it isn't about, you know, a lot of people, I think that Christians miss when they try to make the Bible a historical, uh, a historical document, they miss a, a, a huge tool in their hands. Um, you know, if, if anybody wants to really look at whether or not it is a historical fact, you can read Thomas Paine's uh, Age of Reason, and he'll destroy any thought that, um, that, that the Bible was factual uh, as a historical document. But Jesus does save, and Jesus is the, the uh, manifestation of God upon earth. He is God. And because of that, um, and because of that realization and that being a truth, it changes how things function. So um, for me, I, I just wanted to kind of add that piece in. So, yeah, and I'll, and I'll add to what you're saying is, is something that I've been thinking up and kind of coming to, and I'm, I'd be happy to bounce it with you because I'm still developing, you know what I mean? But um, is, is there's multiple kinds of truth. Um, and, and we already know of at least two, right? Like we know of empirical truth. So that's, that's mm -hmm. like the scientific method. That's if I take two hydrogen models or, uh, atoms, right. put them together and with a hydrogen, I'm going to get water, you know? So like, then there's logical truth. That's math. That is, mm -hmm. that is the, the a priori logical deductive methodology of the Austrian school. It's logical truth. It's, mm -hmm. it's, um, uh, I, for, I, I keep forgetting the, the word for this, but it's, it's the kind of truth where if you go to refute it, you prove it true in trying to disprove it, like argumentation. Yeah, I, I don't remember. Kind of yeah, I don't remember the word either, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, there's that. But then what I'm kind of seeing from this this kind of evolutionary psychology slash spiritual realm thing is I think there's a third form of truth. And I'm working, trying to work out a title for it, but I want to call it phenomenological truth or that mm -hmm. which works mm -hmm. when you act it out. Mm -hmm. nice you know what i mean like active truth something like that yeah yeah it, so like for, go ahead no it's something like where you have to uh you always have to merge it so what one thing is is like science and religion are science and religion are separated but when you combine the two it's like uh 
like true spirituality. And so there's multiple forms of truth that can be placed in front of an individual. And there's, like you said, irrefutable truths. There's logical truths. Um, What's the other one? That's what we're trying to figure out. So I'm using... I think phenomenological yeah, sounds, working... sounds like the right way to go, honestly. That's where I would go with it. That's that's my working title is, is phenomenological mm-hmm. truth. So let me let me give you an example of this. And 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 this was something that smacked me in the face from a Jordan Peterson quote. Um it, so he was debating Sam Harris about, you know, like the, the utility of religion and Sam Harris is coming from the atheist direction and and all mm-hmm. of that stuff. And um, you know, Harris challenged him kind of arrogantly and was like, well, why don't you give me an example of a a prayer that's ever been answered? You know, thinking some magic man from the sky (laughs) is going to drop your, the solution to your problems, you know, and then like, that's what serious people think. Um, And um, Jordan goes, oh, well, you know, that's easy. I can, I can definitely tell you that one. He's like, here, why don't you do this? Why don't you sit, sit on the corner of your bed and and just kind of close your eyes and, and really think about what you're doing in your life to screw your life up. Like, what are the little things about you that you could polish up? Now, when you ask the question, it's like, it's not in vain. You have to really go deep and you have to really mean it. And you have to really be ready to accept the answer that emerges up out of you. Um, and he's like, and if you do that, you will get an answer. And it's one of those things where, how do you prove that? You know what I mean? But at the same, <laughs> right. but at the same time, I'm like, I know exactly what you're talking about. How do you, I think how do you disprove it? You know, well, right, but that's my point. Is we've all we've all we've all experienced experienced. It's an experiential yeah, we, truth. So it's a it's a phenomenon because mm-hmm. it's like when mm-hmm. you do that process, when you act out. Okay, I'm going to ask mm-hmm. myself. Then, you know, then there's a there's almost like a natural law. Another is another way of looking at it, like a natural phenomenon that emerges up out of you to answer that. And then I don't know what to do with that because that actually happens. Mm-hmm. You know, and and <laughs> so like and, it's a and also like creepy. you you know that like when you deny that. When you ignore it, when you when you ask for that and you get the answer and you're like, nah, that's not it. But I would your say life, that's your life will continue truth. to your life will continue to, to to you'll continue to struggle with whatever that is. You know, that's the uh that's the phenomenon yeah. that a lot of people who deal with addiction or anything like that, like it's it's when you finally come to the realize like, hey, you know what? This is like this is fucking my life up. I need to like I need to s- change something up here. That's when you actually make the make the change and it actually gets you moving in the right direction but but yeah anyway go ahead i I didn't mean to cut you off well no i was just saying that's so i almost think that constitutes another form of truth because that actually Mm -hmm. happens and it actually has effects on our lives when we get in tune with it you Mm -hmm. know so like what do you do with that you know like so like I, i one part of the conversation that i had with you chad is that um you know prior to like in the immediate time prior to me starting the the Mises caucus, it was an idea that I was kicking around in my head. I didn't know it was going to be this super serious thing that, that it Mm -hmm. turned out to be, but I was, I was kicking this idea around, but I was also kind of on the heels of like, I'm not ready to like tell the story publicly, but I was, but I was on the, on the heels of some, something really traumatic that, that Mm -hmm. happened with me where um, the best way that I could describe it is, is I had an encounter with my own shadow. I had an encounter, a direct encounter with, with um, my, my own capacity to commit evil. And, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it floored me. It floored me because I was really naive before mm-hmm. that and just kind of felt like, and, and frankly, I think I was an ideologue to some extent prior mm-hmm. to this because I thought that my libertarian ideology, I'm, I'm all about the nap. I would never break that and, and, and you know, all this stuff. So I'm a good person. 
and and I think this naive belief um, in in and prior to that point of me being a good person um, enabled me to be taken by my shadow um, because I prior to that you know I I would I, I I'll say this the 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 shadow that um that I encountered it was born out of selfishness I'll, I'll say that and I inspired is your ego I'm sorry. I said it almost always is or ego, one of the two, selfishness or ego, but selfishness is a product okay. of ego. But but again, I prior to this realization, prior to this like seeing this in myself, I had like I had naively believed that I was a good person and so like I kind of had evil in a vacuum of like malice mm. and hatred and all that mm. stuff. I never would have thought that evil was born out of selfishness. Mm. You know what I mean or could be born out of selfishness. Mm. Um and uh and yet I, I was very, very brutally smacked in the face uh, with with my own with my own shadow. And I had to come to grips with that. Um, and I didn't know what to do with that for a little while, actually, until I encountered uh, Jordan's work. And uh, I forget where I started as to why I was going down that road. Fuck. Um, just how, how you got to the do the Mises caucus thing. You were kicking around in your head. Thank you. And, thank and you. There, yeah. Yeah. OK. So like that's where I was um, coming into the caucus. But then, you know, at that time I had asked God for a path. Now, I don't even know what I mean when I say that, to be honest with you. Like, mm -hmm. but, but, um, I, I did. And, um, I'll be can, fucked if can that I, can didn't I, can I happen. pause you right there real quick? What you What's just that? said, what you really, what you just said, like, really landed on me. Like, you asked God for a path and you don't even know what you meant by that. Like, that by itself, that's one of those things that, like, I, I don't either. I don't know where that comes from, but like, it's there. Like, and I think all of us yeah, experiences that I don't at some like point, the on some level. I don't like the casual usage of the word God. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I don't, sure. I don't, or, or I believe in God. I, I think these are very um, complicated and complex mm -hmm. um, and, and um, mystical subjects that are personal, really beyond us that we, well, yeah, deeply personal and, and kind of beyond us. And, mm -hmm. and I think, a lot of uh, organized religion has kind of, how do I word this? Um, it has people acting out traditions they don't understand, and yeah. and and mm -hmm. spirituality has is all tradition and no faith and no no spirit. You know, it's, yeah, it's, right. it's just acting out yeah. traditions and and going along with it because that's what you've been told, and, and then I'm supposed to feel this thing. And it's and and I think there's been an externalization of God where mm. we give the responsibility to solve our problems is given up to faith in God, where really it's, you have to have faith in yourself to be on the proper path, or at least that's how I see it. Yeah, I agree. No, that's Michael, I, I got, I gotta say that what, what you've described is, is, I mean, to the T there's a, uh, a new age writer named Carolyn Mace. And what you've described is exactly what she describes as the dark night of the soul. You found your dark place. You, you were at an evil, you found the in, interior evil and you were lost and in um, Kabbalistic terms, which is a, a Hebraic mystical term, what you did for yourself at that time was you crossed what is called Da'ath or the abyss. And by knowing um, the word Da'ath, uh, the abyss, the thing that we want to get past is um, the word Da'ath means knowledge. Because to truly realize or what would be banal, which is understand, we have to, to lose our knowledge. 
We have to lose that ability. Mm. And that is exactly the pathway that you walk down. So it, the, what it sounds like for me, because I've got 25 years of spiritual experience, I've been studying spirituality f- since I was 18 years old. And for me, you walked the, 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 the you know, the path of a mystic to get to these ideas. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, I don't have to say that. Well, well, because and most people aren't and most people don't know. You can't know. No one knows what the end of their their journey will be. The point of a journey is not to arrive. The point of a journey is to get from where you were and, and, and what Aristotle would say is that that it is important for us to, or the, the, the pathway to wisdom is knowledge of self. And so what you've done is you went in, into those interior mansions um, in your mind, and that has led you to, to be the person you are. You wouldn't be able to be Michael Heiss, the chair of the Mises Caucus, if you hadn't made this journey, because all great people make this journey. And so continue with where this journey is taking you. Well, so like I said, I, I, I asked God for a path and um, I'll, I'll be fucked if one didn't open up. That's like the mm. thing about it. Like it, it actually, it actually happened. And um, so like when I say it actually happened, like uh, I started dating my wife, Emily, you know, at around this time, you know, and we just got married in October and, you know, it's awesome. And, and like we, uh, so thank you. Um, thank you. Um, so, you know, that started with that. Um, I got hooked up with a guy who was actually like a, uh, I, I started working for an attorney and I got hooked up with him from a prior employer who knew this attorney through his church. And, and I was taking courses at Liberty university. Cause at this time I was, you know, prior to this, I used to want to be a celebritarian, right? Like I, I and, and like, I wanted to be a figure and at, at, this, at this, like prior to this, anyway, at this point, I'm kind of giving up on that. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to have to conform. I'm going to have to build a career and I'm going to have to get myself stable. And, and then I can mm. kind of work it out from there and, and all of these things. So I was kind of submitting to that. And, um, so I was taking courses to become a paralegal, um, got this job with the, with the, uh, paralegal. So at that point I'm like, all right, well, and I, and I took one semester of courses and got this job. You know what I mean? So like, I'm like, all right, well, I can stop school. I guess I got the beginnings of a career. I just going to have to develop my skills and, and all this stuff, you know? So like that happened and that was like a godsend at the time, you know, started dating Emily. And then also the, the, the caucus had started and, you know, it was, it was, uh, what's the word? I don't know. We'll say fortuitous, like how things started with the caucus at the beginning, because I started the Facebook group that same day, like three hours later, was the first time that the chair of the party basically said that the Mises Institute was full of Nazis. So I wake up the next day and there's like 500 people in my group, you know, rah, rah, rah. And I'm like, oh, fuck, you know, like and and, <laughs> so, and, and yeah. And, and so like I kind of like carry that, you know, tried to carry that torch and mold it as much as I could. But. My point in saying is I didn't know that was going to happen. You know, th- th- like this was just some idea of like how I wanted to bring the Ron Paul revolution into the Libertarian Party. I didn't understand. I didn't realize at the time that I was apparently going to like a blood war with the leadership of, <laughs> of the Libertarian Party. Um, but that's, <laughs> you know, so it's like this stupid blind faith kind of thing. 
But, you know, all of those things have borne extreme fruit. You know, it didn't turn out that I, I became a paralegal. You know, I, I didn't actually expand my skill set beyond the very bare minimum of what this guy uh, trained me to be. But he saw that I was very passionate about this and that I was working this. And, and basically, he allowed me to, to use this job and use my limited skill set to, to um, kind of get myself situated and, and, and build that, that base from which to launch this thing. So, like, that worked out that way. Emily's my wife now. Yeah. Um, you know, that the caucus is, is my job now, you know, like I, I, I work, do this full time now and, um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I love everything. You were doing it full time it. already. You just weren't, you just weren't on the payroll. You were just, <laughs> you were just grinding <laughs> making phone calls. While you, I mean, so like, I, I actually changed jobs at one point to do yeah. it full time. So, like right. before I actually went full time, I, I left the job at the law office to take a job delivering weed. You're driving for truck, a, weren't you? Yeah. Not a truck, but it was just a, a, a inconspicuous oh, a okay. yeah, vehicle where I was delivering weed to patients here in Pennsylvania. But I took that job because, well, one, it was it was paying like I think 20 bucks an hour. Two, I was getting tipped under the table on top of that. Mm. But three, I can make phone calls all fucking day. While time. I'm, you know what I mean? While I'm, right. And that's what I did. You know, I would just be talking. Hey, give me two seconds. I got to deliver some weed, you know, and, and go and do that thing. <laughs> all right. Sorry. Thanks. I'm back. You know, talking right. to, to nice. you know, high end people. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so like it's, it's, it's taken me here and the more it doesn't feel like, you know, people, people say crazy shit to me about the caucus. I'm like, Oh my God, thank you. You did this thing. And it doesn't feel like I've done it. That's the weird thing for me. It, it, it feels like imposter syndrome, not imposter syndrome. It feels like I asked for this path. It opened up. I'm doing my best to, 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 to run down it and the more i run down it the more it seems to open up and then people mm -hmm. tell me crazy shit when i'm just trying to walk down it. you know what i mean like and and that and that's ultimately what's important is because the more that i to me anyway is is because the more that i walk down that path i feel like the better and more fulfilling that my life has gotten you know i, I really did Beautiful. used to be in, in, in ideologue i really did used to be uh like depressed and, and wishing death upon myself and like all of this shit and now that's like so far from me that that it's unbelievable, and I couldn't imagine such a thing. You know what I mean? So like, mm -hmm. that's beautiful, well, man. So what what's funny about that though is that to to me is that this is all totally predictable <laughs> because like this is what this is what <laughs> I've this is what like I have experienced too, and I think everybody well, like when you actually like really go and and start following that path, that that's what happens. And it's funny because like before we. Before we like talked amongst ourselves and said like, "Hey, let's try to get Michael on," and that's when I like hit you up and everything. And then we had our phone conversation like Wednesday, I think it was Wednesday or Thursday. Um, Marcus was like, "Hey, what do y'all want to do to? What do y'all want to talk about this week?" This was previous when Marcus was on his old job, um, and I was like, "Let's just do God works in mysterious ways, um, and let's just talk about that." And then we start we start talking about this stuff and everything. Marcus loses that job because like Facebook and anyway, some, some messed up stuff. But anyway, so at that point, Marcus is like, I don't know, man, God's kind of got it in for me right now. No, he, went, he wasn't, he wasn't there, but it was like, things were, things were getting rough. And so we kind of, you know, I, I talked him off the ledge a little bit and he, he, now he's got a new job, even better than, than before and everything I'm else. I'm going to be able out. to right. deal with Bitcoin. And so, right, right. <laughs> nice. And so now, so yeah. what's, what's funny is like what I have noticed with my lived experiences, man, is that like when you, when you figure that out and you, you ask for it and then you walk in the path of whatever the answer is. Um, I did a thing this morning on this little series that I'm doing with this meditation about like, and it's about Jesus's first miracle at Cana where 
they the the wedding party like approaches Mary and they're like, "Hey, we're we're running out of wine. What do we do?" And she's like, she goes to Jesus and she's like, "Hey, they're running out of wine. What can you do?" And he's like, "My time has not yet come." And she's like, "Y'all do whatever he tells you to do." And that's the that's the bar. The whole thing is do whatever he tells you to do. So like when you ask yeah. for that, and then you get the answer and you start doing it. It's only logical yeah. that all this stuff opens up for you to me. That's that's like right. perfectly here's, predictable. Here's here's one of the things that's crazy though is when you say that do whatever Jesus or God tells you to do. Again, I think there's this common parlance thing that people do in their head where they think Jesus, this actual guy from two thousand years ago, or God, this actual thing that out this guy. And, right. I, and I'm not trying to dismiss that. I'm not trying to make a mm -hmm. metaphysical claim, sure. but I'm trying to say that there is a direct one to one um, that works extremely well and it's it, and it's and here's the crazy thing it's logic there's a logic underneath all of it when you look at it all psychologically um if you if you look at everything in in terms of um psychological patterns or that phenomenological thing of when you act this out you get this back from almost like natural law when and and how that your mm -hmm. your psychological disposition uh plays a part in that kind of thing mm -hmm. then um then, it, it, that, like I said, it's almost like it's real, regardless of if it's historically or even metaphysically real. Right. That's not me making a claim about the histor mm -hmm. historicity or or the metaphysics. I'm just mm -hmm. saying there's this whole other logical underpinning that I've found that um, that works for me. So it, it puts me in this you know funny situation where I'll go to um, you know I'll go to family events and they're a little bit more traditional Christian than I am and everything. I'm like, have you found Jesus yet? And I'm like. I believe so, but I don't think I mean the same thing you mean. You know, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> it's like, where's Waldo? Well, yeah. Right here, over there. So, and then they just say, oh, well, he'll get there. You know, right? Sure. <laughs> so, so for me, um, I've had a, a, a off again, on again, uh, like ro romance, if you will, in my own mind with the Mises Caucus. And part of that was because I was connected to Adam and shit pissed me off and all of that stuff. But I really do think that the, the LP may not realize it. And I, I'm talking about pe people not in the Mises Caucus in the LP, but for survival, and I, I personally think that the Libertarian Party is essential in this country. And, I, and, and this is coming from somebody who does not believe that we are going to reach freedom through the ballot box. See, people, people telling me crazy shit again. Right. But, <laughs> right. but for me, the, the LP needs the Mises Caucus. They, just like, um, you know, everything leads to another thing, just like what you're talking about. The Mises Caucus, for me, provides hope that they can get to that Rothbard mentality or that Mises mentality or that Ron Paul mentality because the LP has lost its way. And I'm not trying yeah. to say that, that there aren't great people who don't consider themselves mm. Mises Caucus members. There are many. I've met thousands. And, and they are wonderful people. But m we are not leftists. And we are not on the right. We are something different. And the, the Mises Caucus puts that first and foremost. It says we are something, people who believe in freedom. We are people who, and, and, and we're not going to define that for you. And what I'm also seeing, and this may be your messaging, Michael, but 
but what I'm seeing is come aboard. If you believe in freedom, mm -hmm. join us. Yeah. We'll work out the bullshit later. Let's get freedom because they're taking our shit away. Well, that's and, what I was going to say. Like, if there hasn't been, like, there's been, like, to me, like, a gross miscarriage of the platform to take these oh, last yeah. two years, to take these last two years and just whistle past the graveyard the way the LP has. Meanwhile, yeah, I, and that's not what the Mises, that's what not what the Mises folks are doing. In the meantime, what the LP establishment is doing is they are doing everything they can to, and I don't want to I, I I promise you we wouldn't get into all the inside baseball stuff because I know there's a lot of stuff that and and you're you're working hard to try to try to make sure that the that well-meaning people are 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 considered we had two big as, victories as, this weekend as, but... as allies. Yeah, I, I saw that. I saw that. That's that that's awesome. Um but I but what what this what this country what the world needs is a tangible uh, manifestation of there's somebody who's actually trying to like really really yeah. fight for this stuff and th the LP had this golden opportunity to say like look they got it wrong this this way they got it wrong this way and we would have had it right from the beginning and instead they were anyway it's there was so a going, couple, going couple observations. <laughs> a couple of observations that I've made. You know, we're yeah. talking about how the, the Libertarian Party has lost its way and how it's failed and all this stuff. And I think that the most common arguments um, and the most easily easy arguments to point out to are, you know, you look at the messaging or, or in the case of the COVID regime, the lack of messaging uh, and the lockdowns and lack of messaging. And, and I think people attribute to that, oh, the, the Libertarian Party has lost its principles and that's the problem. That's a problem, but it's not mm. the problem. Mm. And 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 like it's a set that that stuff is secondary. The problem is people of low character have been allowed to be the leadership of this thing for a very long time. So like there was really yes. a, a situation where the former chair is a gravely dishonest person. I'll say it. I'll say it. Whether you know, and I you you know, but you yeah, want to distance so yourself from it or whatever. But he's Both a gravely dishonest person. Right. And, and so, like, or, or for example, or, well, or, or we'll just use Sarwark. All the yeah. lying that Sarwark did, all of the, yeah. all of that character assassination, that wouldn't just all of a sudden be cool if he was like a Rothbardian Ron Paul guy. Right. right. You know what I mean? Like, like it, it, it's, it's not the ideology that makes somebody fit to, uh, or deserving of power. Mm -hmm. That's not, you know, like it's, it's, it's your character. It, it's, mm -hmm. it's, you know, the hobbits weren't libertarians. They were simple people who, who were mm -hmm. humble and, and you know what I mean? Like in all that stuff, it wasn't actually about ideology. And, and I think we've gone down this road of, of kind of um, assigning moral status to people on the basis of their ideology. And I do, and that, that's not, not to, yeah. yeah and, and, and I, now that's not to say that I don't think that, that uh, libertarianism is a deeply moral uh, right. ideology, whether or not it's even an ideology is actually a whole nother rabbit hole that I would like to maybe no, talk about. But, um, no, but to your point, but, if you, if you get at that by being dishonest and, and, and sacrificing your character, what difference does it make? Right. Right. And the character is the thing that's, that is one of the evolutions that I have made. I would say in the past two, three years is, um, you know, I'm still every bit of cap as I've ever been. But I, I'm, I'm starting to realize that the, the liberty argument is actually secondary to the meaning and the character thing. You know, mm. you, 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 can't, you can't have liberty in a society of unconscious nihilists. You just can't do oh, it. Yeah, you know what I mean? Sure. Like, um, and, um, 
again, this is why I think the Jordan Peterson thing is so huge. And frankly, I think the libertarian community has has missed and is actively missing a huge opportunity because, you know, there's there's two ways. There's two primary ways that you can you can, you know, for the purposes of this binary anyway, there there's two primary ways that you can um, you can sell libertarianism, uh, which is, you know, one way is li liberty and freedom is, is being able to do whatever the fuck I want as long as I don't hurt anybody, which sounds like something a, a, an eight year old would say. Um, or liberty and freedom is taking full responsibility for my life. That sounds like mm -hmm. something an adult would say. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's a coincidence that Ron Paul ran on the ladder and became a cultural phenomenon. And then likewise, Jordan, now he didn't run, but you get my point. He mm -hmm. ran on um, a platform of voluntarily adopt responsibility in your own life. And that will imbue you with the meaning needed to get past the flood. Um, and, and the flood will come in your life mm -hmm. and, and, um, because, because life is characterized by suffering and, and, um, I don't think it's a coincidence that Ron Paul had that responsibility core to, to, uh, to his Liberty message became a cultural phenomenon. Jordan Peterson was full bore on the responsibility aspect of it and became a global cultural phenomenon. And, and I, I think there's a lot of overlap there, and I think there's something to, to learn sure. from that. And, and so the, char the character thing, you know, the party has kind of taken on this left progressive cultural identity for the past while that is indicative of I can do whatever the fuck I want as long as I don't hurt anybody. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what one of the things culturally that we're trying to change with the party is to bring it back to, no, 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 it's my liberty is my responsibility, you know, mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. it takes character character to handle your responsibilities and to take on more responsibilities, you know, and, and like, it, it, this also kind of goes into, there's, there's some talk in the Liberty world of like, we need to get power because the COVID regime is out of control. I've never felt the state on my doorsteps the way that it is right now. And, and so we need to get power and we need to use it, you know, against our enemies and we need to do this or that. And it's like, on the surface, I totally get what they're saying, but power and responsibility are like Liberty and responsibility. Mm -hmm. you know, like you know what i mean like it's it's mm -hmm. they're what put it this way with great power comes comes great responsibility right like i, I know it's a spider-man quote but it's Spider -Man, true. Yeah, but yeah. but but it's also but i think it's also indicative of if you have a high degree of responsibility mm -hmm. you can either use that as if it's a responsibility or you can use it as if it's power and which mm -hmm. one you act out will mm -hmm. determine the color of what you get back yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. It's it's yeah, it's, and, the, and the fruits, the fruits of it too. You know, like what the, you the what you provide. The analog of this is is the glass half full or, or is the glass half empty? You can make airtight logical arguments that are completely true that it's both. So logic has its limits. The question is is because really that's just a metaphor for for optimism and 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 pessimism sure. or nihilism or whatever. So I agree, with Voltaire. Is, I just want to tend my garden. <laughs> well, the, the, so the question isn't actually, is the glass half full or is the glass half empty? It's what happens when you act out either premise? Mm -hmm. That's the question. For mm -hmm. sure. Oh, that's, that's a good point. Yeah, because even if it's even if you think the glass is half empty, what what's what does that lead you to do? Right. Does that lead, yeah, exactly. You know, right. that, yeah, that's, that's why I have, deep depression that's why I and like nihilism and murderous tendencies. Or does it lead you right. to and what can I do to fill 
Right. That's that's up. Voltaire's point. What so, I'm when I'm saying Voltaire, it, it, mm -hmm. what I'm saying is I'll just tend my garden. That's what he's talking about at the end of Candide, which is an examination of pessimism and optimism. Um, at the end of Candide, um, and I believe it's Candide says, um, "I'll just tend my garden." Which what he meant from that is. His life, which is his garden, is what his focus was on, not on whether it was optimistic or pessimistic. I do want to um, interject as well one thing, and that is that that this none of this is new. You know, Adam Smith talked about this in Wealth of Nations. No. Yeah. You know, years ago, and that that the the more you have character, and the more people base their lives on on giving other people freedom, the moral, the, the moral things come. And, and these are the kinds of lives that we want to live aren't because we want to be able to do whatever the fuck we want. We want to live our lives and, and be happy. You know, ultimately that's what people want. So yeah, continue. I mean, and just to, yeah, just, just to give you an, uh, an example from my experience, like recently with this whole half class, full half, you know, is it power? Is it responsibility kind of tip that I'm on? Um, I got a lot of people who hate me in, in, in the Libertarian Party and they attribute all kinds of malice to me. They attribute all kinds of malfeasance uh, 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 on me and uh, and all this kind of stuff. Right. So and and they're seeing that because you know we're coming in, we're saying we're taking over, right? And and they're mm -hmm. trying to mischaracterize it like you know we're we're the Vikings coming through and we don't want what's best for the party. But you know mm -hmm. that's, that's this is where they're coming from. I'm destroying the party. I'm doing all this stuff. And to them, what I have is power because I'm bringing the party under one man's control and all this shit. You know what I mean? Which is not even true, but that's what they're saying. On the other hand, here's my actual experience. I'm not going to name his name, but I got a phone call from a guy the other night who is uh, an organizer for mine and uh, of mine in, in, in one of these states. This guy was calling me an hour after his mother died. Okay. I've never experienced anything like this in my life. He called me an hour after his mother died to have a heart to heart with me. He was being strong, you know, and he was like, look, man, I, um, I got some shit that I got to take care of with my family right now. Um, but through the process of his mother, you know, passing and everything, he basically told me that he had learned what was important in life. And, and that, you know, he started being like, look, I, I have been lazy. I told you I was going to do this job and, and, um, you know, I haven't done it. And, and, you know, I feel really guilty about that. I need a little time. I'm going to be okay. I have to get through this. I'm getting married. And like, I have my priorities straight. Like my wife is the most important thing. And then my job and then my volunteer time. And this is my volunteer time, but like, this is an important thing. And you, you know, like you said all this crazy stuff to me. Now, is that power or is that, holy shit, some guy just fucking called me. Like, he thinks enough of this. You know what I mean? Like, he thinks, no, seriously, like, this is really meaningful to him. And, and like, and, and he, it's But it so lays a lot on you, too. Like, it's like, it's but like. But that's my not, point. Is it, yeah. is, is that power or is that a responsibility? Because people mm -hmm. do apparently find so much meaning in this community and, 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 and all of that stuff. You know, like, if I fuck this up, I'm not. I'm not probably not living right. You know what I mean? Like, and, right. and uh, it, it's, it's a lot for me to have to understand that that's where it is with some people. Like it's, it's, mm -hmm. I, I do have a responsibility to like maintain this thing that people apparently find so much uh, meaning in that they'll call me or, you know, or at least one of them will call me when an hour after the, I was totally for 
that that happened. Yeah, that's crazy. But I, I it's a great responsibility, my man. Well, here. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. No, no. It's you, a, you are, you are, and that's the whole reason why I wanted to do this is because I think that like that mischaracterization of you and of the the whole the whole movement, everything ha, has been. It, it, there needed to be, and I didn't want it to be something about the you know he said she said <laughs> or who said this and you know all the facts or any of that stuff. I wanted people to get an experience of like who you are and what motivates you and what drives you first and foremost, and then from there. Like you can read all the rest of the tea leaves, however you want to. Nico, you were trying to say something. I'm sorry. No, I was saying it's a result of power that gives you that responsibility. So it's like since people see you in that limelight of power and things of that nature, uh, and the kind of person that you are to them, you know, on a day to day, your character speaks. It's like this is somebody that I want to inform and fill out. And once you get shocked and realized in certain situations, you you their priorities in life. And since you guys were both on this uh, for volunteering the time he called you out, he called you. And that's a lot of, how do you say respect for a power? You feel me? It's yeah. He's got a lot of respect for you and for one of the people to call you and talk to you specifically about it um, prior to being, or aside from it to being business, it's something that like if it's your character that's great and you have like a position people are just bound to reach out that's just how it is and those are the doors those are the different doors that open up to you as well yeah. and it sounds like that that you helped him and and ultimately i mean why else are we doing this if it's not to help people mm -hmm. <laughs> you know michael yeah. you're not I know that you that you had about an hour with us, so I'm going to try to kind of move in the direction of wrapping up. But what I find in, in you particularly is that I have a similar heart in, in many ways to the way you do. I devote myself to um, the things that I believe in and I and I and I have an idea and I'm going to fucking get it no matter how I, I have, you know, what I have to do to get there. And what I find particularly interesting about you myself is that you seem to pull that energy from straight out of your ass. You just are able, <laughs> right. You are able like, like uh, almost like a robot to just keep going. I mean, there are times when I just cannot take it any fucking more, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I just can't take all the nonsense. And you have been lambasted. Well, there's there's a lot that demonized. people don't see. Well, there's a lot that people don't see. You know, that's the stuff that plays out publicly, and I and it plays out a lot of it plays out on Twitter, which you know mm. I value my happiness more than being active on Twitter. So, like, <laughs> I'm dead serious. I, I just I, I value you're a my smart happiness. one. You're a smart one. Yeah, and and um and uh, you know you don't see the the situations where. You know, I get that kind of phone call. You don't see the kind of situations where I get phone calls from people in, in you know, today, for uh, example, Arizona and Georgia. And they're like, we did it. We got more than half the delegates. We, you know, we got the leadership, you know, the middle work with us. They see it. They see that we're working, you know, like they, they mm -hmm. see all these things. You know, you don't see those phone calls where they like people just say, oh, well, it's just politics. But it's not. It, it's a community. And that community has now spawned a culture 
And that culture mm. is is felt amongst all of us. And it's it's blatantly obvious when we get all together. You know, like mm -hmm. this is something I, I just learned in 2020. You know, like uh, I, I would say I really learned in, in 2020 was, you know, we went to the national, excuse me, we went to the national convention and uh, we had our chair candidate. He lost 60, 40. And the night that he lost, that was the only piece of business that was handled that night. Um, so we had no reason to expect that anything good was going to come the next day um, that, you know, when we had the rest of the business. So mm -hmm. I was already in my head. Fuck. How am I going to I have to hold everything together? I got to keep people's dick mm -hmm. up. I got to you know, I got to How am I going to do this? And you know what happened? We threw a fucking party and there was nothing. To it was lit, in the too, boy. That party was a blast, bro. They wouldn't yeah, let us. They and, wouldn't let us and, hang out at Buffalo Wild Wings except like six to a table. And we were like, "Fuck y'all, we're going to the house." <laughs> yeah, man. It was and, awesome. And, but that's my point. Is that was the natural response? I didn't organize that. Like, like I, I was sitting here panicking. Like, oh my god, I have to hold this all together. Meanwhile, everyone's like throwing a, a party, doing keg stands, and all this shit. And I'm like, and that's when I was like, oh, oh, it's a culture now. Good. Like these guys, these guys have each other's back and it's like got a life of its own now. Yeah. Like, and, and yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, I felt it again uh, last year in, in Pittsburgh, we had like almost 400 people that, mm -hmm. that came out to see Dave Smith and it was, the energy was just like the Ron Paul thing, man. Mm -hmm. That's why I was, I don't know if you ever seen that video of me like hosting, I'm like chomping gum, like a motherfucker looking like I'm on ecstasy. Um <laughs> It's not that I was on ecstasy. It's that I was feeling it. <laughs> right. You, know, like, it, you were on, you were on, real, on real ecstasy. You were in like, like a different, like not chemically induced. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, so tell us, where do you go from here? So for me, it's it, the, the mission is still the same, you know, like it's unfortunate that we have to spend the time and energy that we do to take over the LP um, but it is necessary. And, and, and you know, the metaphor that I, I kind of use is, you know, as to why it's necessary is, you know, imagine imagine your city is under siege. Right. And you are part of the defense force of that city. But you happen to be armed with a pellet gun. You know, um, if in the in the course of you scouting, you come across an armory, but and it's going to take you three hours to crack into that armory. That's three hours of unimpeded siege, but if you crack open that armory, it's you're going to actually have a shot. Mm. That's kind of how I see this. Mm. We have to. The, the Libertarian Party has not had a long-term goal, a long-term vision, a long-term strategy. It hasn't listened to the Liberty Movement as to why they are unhappy with it, so that they would come in, and and that has got to stop. Like that, that, that stuff has got to stop because we have to fight this battle. I mean, we they're they're taking our veins like they're literally trying to take our veins, like take control of our veins now, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that seems to be falling apart. But that's not the point. They, they, look at mm -hmm. how much they did they're get away try. with and who knows what they're going yeah, to get they got away, away with, with a lot. when they come back with the next thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and it's going to get worse when they come back with the next thing. And it's well, if you look at the Patriot Act, scary. yeah, the Patriot Act was like at this point pales in comparison to what they did this time. Right. So what mm -hmm. do you think is going to happen in 20 years if they, you know, if, if, right. if you follow that well, same timeline? years for one. Yeah, it might so not even be 20 to, years, exactly. So there has to be a libertarian party that does something but run washed up people every four years for president. Mm -hmm. There has to be something mm -hmm. that, that engages in the culture and, and creates a cultural movement and actually – changes the Overton window and, and, and actually like does things that are realistic and viable, but also mm -hmm. radical, like nullification yes. and all of these things, these things have to happen. And it's not going to happen if the, if the party was just allowed to go on the trajectory 
that that it was on. So this is why we have to spend all this time because what, what again, there's so much that people don't see. Nobody, you know, nobody calls us racist because we helped get shrooms decriminalized in Denver, and that's now spawned like a fucking nationwide decrim- psychedelic decriminalization movement. That's right. not why we get called racist. You know what I mean? Like it, it, nobody calls us racist because we spent fifty thousand dollars on local level candidates across the country the past two years and got people stopping tax increases and, and nullifying stuff. You know, they, they they don't call us that. They call us racist because they're losing their positions. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they, like they call right. us biggest because they're losing their positions and, mm-hmm. and we're displacing them. And I truly think that there's there's some subset of people who are leadership in the party who this is the closest thing that that they have to social status. And, and this is the closest yeah. thing that they have to to, um, I, I don't know, achievement. And, and I think mm-hmm. they still have some faith in de- democracy as like virtuous. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I got this room of 40 people that have been in the party for 20 years to, to vote for me. So I'm like, that must mean I'm competent and well-liked, you know, and, and, and yeah, all this stuff. Just... So like, yeah. And, and so like, I almost think it's therapy for some people and I'm not here to be anybody's fucking therapist, man. I'm, I'm here to, to fight the state. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and, uh, so like these changes have to happen. So to actually directly answer your question right now, we're all hands on deck for the national convention in, in May. Um, we expect to do very well. I obviously can't guarantee anything. We had two major victories. We just, um, delegate wise, we just carried two States that we did not carry in 2020. And I suspect that there's going to be several more of that and, and, and all of that. It's going to be a bumpy ride between now and May because the, the, the corruption is getting absolutely out of control, but that's a good thing in a way, because what's happening is these people are revealing, well, well, I'm the target, but these no, you're, you're, over, you're over the target. You're over the target. You're over the target. So you're taking well, flack. Yeah. Right. You I'm don't over take the target, shots. but you got to realize. Yeah. But there's more to the party than Mises and psychos. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's true. and that's the important thing here. And and like and and there's these other people who are not Mises who are good people who are just trying to work. Mm-hmm. And you know, for all they they don't care about this stuff. You know, like if you another metaphor I use is if you're in a if you're in a a grocery store and a gunfight breaks out. Okay, legally speaking and libertarian principally speaking, who shot first matters a lot. But for the person that's in the grocery store, nobody gives a fuck. You're you're just in a gunfight. You know what I mean? And that's where these people are at. You know what I mean? Like these people are just like these people came along and there, there's all this fighting now and 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 all this shit. I don't understand. You know and and we have to be the good stewards to show those people that our vision doesn't, if you're down to work with us, we're down to work with you and, mm-hmm. and, and, and all of that. Now snakes, smash a snake's head against right. the rocks. That's what you got to do. But, but, um, but yeah, so we have to go all hands, uh, all hands on deck into this convention in May. So what, and then what happens after that? Well, my, my hope is that the culture of the party will start to change. The, the, the movement will start to enter the party. And then we will start implementing the changes to, to scale up the strategy that we're already um, exhibiting so that the party will, instead of saying, well, how do we get 5 million votes every four years? You know, it's how do we get 5,000 city councilors? How do we create the, the you know, the thousand Lichtensteins, like, mm-hmm. like Hoppe said, you know, like, how do we, how do we nullify from the local level? Because again, mm-hmm. the local, the left has taken over and imposed culture from the top down, but mm-hmm. that's not where culture actually comes from. It's all fake. Mm-hmm. It's all part of the control mm-hmm. system. Yeah, it, it comes from the family up through the community, you know, mm-hmm. and, and and so if you're operating at that local level, the culture is what you're mixing it up with. So, mm-hmm. like, we got to operate on that level and we mm-hmm. have to have national messaging that recruits people to get active in that level and actually inspires people and fucks their minds up the way our minds were fucked up by Ron. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and, well, and 
And on that local, on that local level too, like, so shout out to our, one of our other um, former guests and one of our good friends, Sonny Johnson, who talks about like, this is, if you go look at like how a lot of this stuff happens, like so much of this stuff is like where the, where the money goes from a lot of these federal programs and stuff like that. There are people at the local level who are the funnels through which that travels to go wherever it's going to go. And that influences who votes how. And if those are the people, if those are the only people showing up whenever it comes time to have elections and things like that, then that's who's going to like there's there's a big problem with people not showing up and, and presenting candidates for some of these races where the people are like, we're getting screwed, but we don't really have an alternative. Candidates, but also issue issue. Yeah, work. issues the too. Party yeah, exactly. The, the, yeah. the party doesn't do issue work, and that's where I think we're going to gain the most ground and, and actually mm-hmm. like make the most real world change. And here's the other one that nobody talks about in the libertarian world: gain the most trust. Yes, we For have. The, sure, we don't have. We don't have brand Amen. recognition. Yeah, we don't have brand recognition, let alone brand trust. Mm-hmm. And and right now, the, the the partisan wall is such that. We are not a threat to them, and we're not a value to them. We can't offer a way to help them destroy their enemies, because that's what this partisan wall is. It's it's mm-hmm. it's it's two groups, two in groups trying to destroy each other through politics. It's two culture groups trying to destroy each other through politics, and mm-hmm. and we are not in those in groups, and we don't. So we don't have a value to them, and we can't destroy them. So we're not a threat to them. So it's like, who, who fucking cares? So mm-hmm. so we have to figure out a way to to break through that wall. And I think the only way to break through that law is by becoming that wall is becoming the catalyst, getting working these issues. And 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 because like you got rank and file progressives, rank and file uh, conservatives who want certain things that are in overlap with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not being given that by their political class. So we can ex- we can exploit that gap and come in and be the catalyst to say, this is what the people want here. This is like, a, you know, a 75% blue town and you don't have weed to criminalize. Right. The fuck's your fucking problem. You know what I mean? Like, and, 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 and then you get some street cred and you build that trust and, mm-hmm. and trust I think is ultimately the currency that's going to, to do all of this. People aren't mm-hmm. going to, uh, to, to listen to us until they can trust us. It's always been about trust because that's, Oh, we're in this fucking predicament in the first place because people were trusted, you know, and <laughs> right. so, but it's having the right amount of trust and then, you know, actions to follow up those words so mm-hmm. that trust can be solidified. Because after all this funny hoo-ha, a lot of people are going to be traumatized by trust. And, and, and that's just it. This is the time mm-hmm. there, you know, it, the people are really never been a better time. I don't right. think I mean, God. this is the fucking Dude. time. Let me, I'll tell you another story. Friend, friends of mine, I'm in Pennsylvania. I'm not far from Philly. Mm-hmm. Um, I got friends who who were in Philly, and they had this little idea. You know, they were going to make a website called don'ttreadonphilly.com. And, you know, it was a really simple idea. Like, we're going to print up some flyers. We're going to print up some signs. Um, we're going to build an email list and, and ultimately try to funnel that into the party. And, and we're going to try to build a network of people who are opposing the mandates. Um and, and, you know, work with them. And so we're going to go to the New Year's parade and distribute this and give it to the people in the parades. And, you know, we did that. Mm-hmm. Well, that very simple and, and modest uh, uh, idea has now exploded beyond just the same way that the caucus has exploded. It's exploded for them into this thing where they are now the center of anti-mandate action in Philly. And like the group that's behind nice. the, uh, the, the real Anthony Fauci 
uh, uh, book. You know, mm. they have they are in contact with our people, the, the Republican ward leaders in Philly, the uh, Republican state chair. Uh, they have attorneys who are looking to sue the city now and, and, and try to seek an emergency injunction. Um, they've got uh, informed consent groups, anti-lockdown groups. All these groups are now coming together, looking at them as the center of action in the city against the mandates. And they're coming together to create this like Philly Freedom Coalition, I think they're calling it. There's a huge event going on on the uh, 29th in Philly. Um, you know, Maj Touré is involved. But my point is, is, like all these groups came together and it was just this very modest idea of like, well, why don't we grow our email list? You know, like what? <laughs> and 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 now it's this this thing where they might defeat the friggin mandates. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you're right, absolutely right that it's the time. And it's, it's the, and a, another level that it's the time is you see. So like, I don't know if you guys saw that chart with like the new rankings where, where Joe Rogan's getting like 11 million listeners oh, yeah. per, per episode <laughs> yeah. compared you know, to Tucker CNN, Carlson. Fox News and all that. Yeah. Yeah, man. And Tucker Carlson, he's the biggest show on TV. He's getting what, like 3.3. Right. And, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, Tim pool, I think probably has more listeners than, uh, that you're right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, what's this? What, what did I just say? Dr. Carlson. Dr. Carlson, yeah, yeah. Thank you. And and um, but what does that represent? It rep to me, it represents that there already is this huge counterculture in the in the country that's fucking mm -hmm. looking for something to do. They're looking for somewhere to go. They just mm -hmm. don't know where to. They don't know what to do, and they don't know where to go. And it's we also don't a reflection have our shit the, together. Yeah, it's also a reflection of the demographics too. Where like the the it's it's our parents who watch Fox News and CNN and those things. And it's us and the people younger than us that go to YouTube and, and all these other right. different things, TikTok and everything else for, they, they're not even, they probably don't even have like cable or anything like that. You know what I mean? They, everything is Netflix, uh, Hulu, you know, whatever shit like that. And then, you know, YouTube stuff and TikTok and, and yeah, Instagram. It, and it's a perfect <laughs> storm. Yeah. You know, Roth, Rothbard talked about, and I believe this was in uh, Michigan in, in 1988, I think, but he, um, Rothbard talked about that the worst thing that ever happened to the Libertarian Party was Ronald Reagan. And the reason that he felt that uh, Ronald Reagan was the worst thing to ever happen was because he instilled faith back into uh, the, the government, into the state. And yeah. right now, that mind-addled moron is in charge. No one has fucking faith in the government. They don't <laughs> trust them. Mm -hmm. And and not only have they shown him to be a idiot, they've shown him to be weak. Look at all his policies that are failing. Mm -hmm. This is a perfect storm. Yeah. And I think that the Mises Caucus is here to fill it. Because I believe That's that God hope. does things <laughs> on purpose. So that's my hope. Man. With that, with that, here's the uh, here, here's where everybody can go to the Mises Caucus website. Uh, we got we have some we have some links in the uh, in the description. I want everybody to 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 take take their their opportunity to do that. But you just go to lpmisescaucus.com, and uh, and there, there's the link there. And uh, and also you can check the description for uh, Michael's links as well because I've got you. I've got the the Mises Caucus itself and then uh the take human action um link as well in the description so all of those are, are there um 
anything you want to you want to uh, part with? I don't want to keep you too long. I know we've kept you a little over the uh, the hour we talked about. It's all good, man. I'm sorry for being late. Um, no, that's good. <laughs> I uh, so last thing I'll say is another concept that I don't hear libertarians talk about much anymore is is faith, um, mm-hmm. and and um, you know that that word has a lot of connotations, and usually people think of it uh, religiously, but I think libertarians need to reclaim the, their faith that when we tell the truth, that it will ring true to people that are open to hearing the truth. And, and that needs to be the core of what we're doing uh, as libertarians and, and navigating this world that is infested with lies, infested with a love for this power and, 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 and all that stuff. And, you know, we're, we're never we're probably never going to, to convince the majority. And that's OK. You know, we, we just need to convince enough people to start getting the ideas out there to change the culture and, and maybe have some parallel uh, structures to the mm-hmm. current system and watch that fall apart on its own as we're off doing our other thing. And that can only happen if we change people's paradigms and we change how they view the world. And I, don't, I think the only way that we can do that is that we have faith in the truth that we're telling and and mm. and and lead with that that's amen absolutely Look, you weren't here when we uh when we read this at the beginning of the show so i'm going to read it again from the one and only ludwig von mises it is vain to fight totalitarianism by adopting totalitarian methods freedom can only be won by men unconditionally committed to the principles of freedom michael heiss we appreciate you coming on tonight man and uh, we wish you, you guys all the best. And uh, you got my number. You know, you know where to where to find me. If there's anything I can do and to if help, you don't out, have mine. And, uh, you can get it from yeah, Chad. That's right. That's right. Uh, but anything we can do you. to help, uh, we, we for sure will. I I'm going to do everything I can to to get to Reno and to uh, to be a delegate again. It'll be uh, third third convention in a row. Um, it's just uh, the way things are right now with my schedule, travel wise, and everything. The my peck meets at a time that is impossible for me most of the time. So I've been, uh, I have not been, I've been woefully uninvolved in person. I have kept, you know, in the, in the group chat and everything with everybody there. And so they know where I am and where I stand on this stuff, but uh, anyway, I'm going to do everything I can. So we, we appreciate you guys doing what you're doing and, and we appreciate you coming on tonight for sure. Much. Hotep, Hotep and take human action. That's right. Hotep and take let's, human let's, action. Let's, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's get it. Let's get it. Right Marcus, on. send us off, my friend. All right, everybody. Stay free. Peace.